0: This is one of those teachings I think I think everybody's not going to like. <laughs> it pokes us where we don't want to get poked at. I want to, you know, in the in the scriptures, in Timothy... it uh, in Timothy? Let me go there right quick. Second uh, Timothy three. One. But realize this that in the last days difficult times will come. And I'm going to list the the end caps in the middle. For the men, for men will become lovers of self and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's the two capstones. Lovers of self, lovers of pleasure. And he really says uh, And they'll have a form of godliness, but will deny its power. But these were the two capstones, lovers of self and lovers of pleasure. But buried down in the middle of this long list of things that will characterize what the world looks like or what man looks like in the last days is ungrateful and unholy. Ungrateful and unholy. I would suggest to you or submit to you that of the characters of God, of the nature of the sons of God, one of them that is most pleasing to God our Father is a grateful heart. Our gratitude toward Him. Our gratitude for His mercy, for His kindness, for His love, for His gentleness, for His provision, for His protection, for giving us a name and an identity and a destiny, for providing everything that was necessary in order for us to be reconciled to Him by Him providing the sacrifice, our gratitude toward all of that is something that moves His heart And being a grateful people. And I will say, most of us, you know, we're grateful for our car, we're grateful for our bank account, we're grateful for our food, you know, there 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 are things we're grateful for. But I'm going to get to something that we're called to be grateful for that we're not going to jump on the bandwagon quite so quick. (laughs) But, (laughs) you know, if you think of, if we think back to Israel, the people of God, Egypt, the uh, kingdom of darkness, Pharaoh, a type of Satan, Moses, a type of Christ, a, a type and shadow of it. When God brought the nation of Israel out of Egypt, <clears throat> parted the Red Sea so they could cross on dry ground and go into the wilderness, destroyed the hand of Satan, Pharaoh and his troops in their presence so that they know they'd never have to worry about him again. And took them into the desert. <clears throat> Rather than being grateful, they started grumbling. And it was that grumbling of that first generation of Israelites, or the first generation of people of God, that denied them the privilege of entering the promised land. The manna wasn't good enough, the quail wasn't good enough, the water wasn't good enough, you know, the cloud the pillar of fire that kept them warm at night, the cloud that kept them cool during the day, none of it was good enough. And they grumbled and and had just come out of being enslaved by the Egyptians. They grumbled the whole way. Now, think about us. The reference is we as the children of God have been brought out of the kingdom of darkness, out of the slavery to sin, into a new life. yet we have a tendency to not not recognize and be grateful for everything that God has done for us. Now, I I attribute a lot of this to a gospel that we have. Scripture says, and the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed to every nation and then the end will come. I I would say to you, we have a gospel of comfort. A gospel of salvation. We basically grew up and have been taught within the church system. Come, and I've said this many times: come to Jesus, and He'll make your life better, longer. And He does. I, I don't deny that, that. That's part of part of what God does for us. He does um, improve our circumstances many times and makes makes our life better, longer. But that's not the totality of it. That gospel of comfort denies the gospel of the kingdom of God. The the good news of God's sovereignty is that He's going to make me into His exact representation. He is going to manifest His Spirit in me in such a way that I will look just like Him. In my submission to His sovereignty, He is going to transform me into that. Now, that transformation is not always fun. That transformation, just as growing up in the natural, in the flesh, in the in the mortal, is not always easy. Growing up in the things of God is not always easy. Changing our character inside is not always easy. <clears throat> Ridding ourselves of uh, whatever soulish, worldly issues. We, whatever held us in the kingdom of darkness we will bring that residue with us as we begin going through the wilderness. And part of, there is a transition from the, just as there was a transition from Egypt to the promised land, there's a transition uh, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light that we would call our maturing process. We, we certainly have to go from a Napios to a Pedion. To recognize, Jesus said, you must be like this child. You must become like this child. You must a- attain the level of maturity of uh, padeon in order to enter the kingdom. So we can be born again, living as a an infant, self-centered, self-serving, uh, focused on my circumstances, uh, not caring about others, that, that would be the nature of a child in Christ, a child in the uh, born-again child. When we come to the sovereignty of God and says, I'm not in charge, God's in charge, not my uh, not my decision, it's God's decision, I'm going to be obedient to it, that changes everything. And so at that point you come into um, a on state. But then we still have to, go through everything necessary to become a huyas. Jesus Christ declared uh, that we've been given this authority and power to become a technon, technon being a son of God who's fully reconciled to his father. But John wrote about us becoming overcomers, overcoming the evil one because the word of God was alive in us. And based on our testimony, we'll overcome the evil one. But it goes on in Hebrews to talk about that we would mature into a huyos where we would be the exact representation of our Father. Bottom line is that's God's intent. That all, He would have it that all of mankind, that none would perish and all of mankind would carry His glory in the earth today. We know Jesus and John... Uh, 16 and 17 spoke of leaving that glory with us that he carried in the earth, returning to God and, and taking up the glory that he had with God before the beginning. But he left here on earth the glory of God that he had carried. That's intended, and he said, I'm not leaving it just for these 12. I'm, I'm intending that for anyone who comes to our Father through their teaching." So the glory is certainly here for us to do. God always intended to live in a tabernacle and dwell among His people. We are the tabernacle. We are intended to carry the glory of God and to allow the world to see Him. If He chooses to reveal Himself to the world, He's going to do it through one of us. That's that's His His method now. Uh, But there's a process to prepare ourselves to come to that place. And um, it was said of Christ Jesus that He was perfected by the things He suffered. Now, I would strongly encourage you to, to pursue a heart of gratitude. Because, like I say, I think in that list of stuff, the ungrateful, unholy thing at the center of being a son of God—gratitude and holiness—should be the, the maybe the middle point, the the core of our heart, if you will. That those things are things that just truly uh, please God. But in this process of maturing, of going to the fullness of being if you will, perfected as Christ was perfected. James says this in James 1-2, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and that after endurance has its perfect result, <clears throat> that you will be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So it is through trials that we're going to be made perfect, just as Jesus was. He was perfected by the things he suffered. James says, Count it joy. 1 Peter uh, 1 6. Go there. <laughs> It says, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, which is of this world, your faith is not of this world, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Christ Jesus. What I'm saying is a level of our maturity will be measured by our ability to say, praise God Almighty for the test that I'm going through. Praise God Almighty for taking me through this trial. We we say this always, we test our children to show them what they've learned. Then You have an end of school test, it tests and shows you what what you've learned for that year. You have a beginning of school test sometime that will show you what you need to learn. But that end of school test gives you a chance to look back and see where you've come from and to, one place to another. And this is how our faith grows. Faith is not something I can muster up in myself. Faith is a gift from God, but it is evidenced by the things, by the trials that we go through. One of the things that we consider a trial is a fire. A baptism by fire is what we refer to it. Well, remember, there's only one individual who can baptize us with fire. John the Baptist spoke it. I baptize you as well, but there's coming one will baptize you with fire in the Spirit. If we are in the fire, there is no better place to be. Because if you are in the fire, that means you're being held in that crucible by the hand of Jesus. No one else has authority to touch you in the fire but Jesus. And He's taking you through that for this very thing, to increase our faith. Now we, in our gospel of comfort, (laughs) we'll do anything to avoid the fire. And what we do is we increase our maturation process. We make the trip longer. We often call it going around the mountain. My history has said it takes about 10 years to go around the mountain and it doesn't get easier the next time you come around. So, but we have done that. We have, because our personal comfort can sometimes be the most important thing to us. We will do everything we can to avoid going through the fire. And I do you know, Sam and my spiritual father, speaks about there's no value in self-induced turmoil. Now I'm not saying if you see a fire out there, just go run and jump in it so your faith can grow. This has to be something that the Lord is doing, that He has you has you in His hand and He's carrying you through it. But what I am saying is this. <clears throat> As a sign of our maturing process, as, as how we mature. I mean, there are a lot of things for us to be grateful for. Salvation, provision, protection, place for the people that God has placed in our lives that have given us a helping hand, that have encouraged us and taught us and and set us up for different things. Certainly, we should be grateful for those and God, God will delight in that. But what he's saying in these two scriptures is joy which we know is an element of the kingdom of God. It's not about food and drink, but it's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy is a spiritual emotion; it doesn't come out of your soul; it comes out of your spirit. Um, clearly, a a rejoicing. And then here he says, "In this you should greatly rejoice." <clears throat> See what he says. The word "rejoice" is. Uh, to make glorious exalt. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So we have to, as a sign of our maturing process, we have to be able to come to the place where we can say, I am so thankful that God took me through that test so he could convince me how my faith has grown. That I that my endurance, my perseverance would increase, but more than that, that I can see my trust and faith toward God is increasing. And thus I'm prepared for the next one. I don't think we do that often. I don't not many times, especially in the beginning of the fire, have I rejoiced. I'm usually squirming and fighting and trying to avoid it. I have learned over the years and it seems to be as I get in the middle I finally begin to be to remember to rejoice and be joyful about it and be thankful the world has just ended one of its toughest years to our memory and much of the world through the whole process has been trying to figure out a way to get back to Egypt get back to doing the way, things the way we did I'm not sure we've taken time to ask and say, what is it God is trying to teach us in this this thing? Uh, And and certainly that's an individual, but it's also a corporate thing of us trying to learn and repent and change where we need to change. But I, I think we've pretty much, we as a people group, have put our effort into trying to get free from the discipline to get back to Egypt. My encouragement to you is this. When you see the hand of God or the hand of Jesus taking you into a fire, let us try to mature to the place where on the way in we're saying hallelujah rather than waiting till we get out. To be able to go into it with gratitude, thanksgiving, no anxiety to receive the discipline of the Lord as for our benefit so that we can be matured into the exact representation of Him. We've been talking for a long time about uh, cleaning out the temple, taking all the the, uh, rubble out of the temple in order to bring the presence of God back in. That's part of what we're talking about right here. The fire will burn out the dross, that keeps the glory of God from coming and settling into us. So I I say to you, uh, strive toward the writings of Peter and James to where we can rejoicefully, joyfully and rejoicing, enter into a time of testing and tribulation, knowing that we will see the goodness of God in the process. Okay. Very good. See y'all soon.